Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. There is a place where time stands still, where nature is harsh and demanding, where only the quick and the strong and the deadly can survive. This place is no place for civilized man. I This is Annie for Showreel, and this morning, instead of the usual focus on the Australian film industry, Today, I had the opportunity to speak to US director Catherine Hardwick. She made 13 and uh, The King of Dogtown, two pinnacle films about adolescent life. She followed it up with the first of the Twilight movies. Now, that's a pretty great kind of credential. Now, how could I say no to the opportunity to chat with her about her latest film, Miss You Already, which stars Tony Collette and Drew Barrymore and it's just out on Blu-ray. You may have caught it here in the uh, cinemas. It's a tearjerker. It's about uh, two women who have been friends since they were in uh, junior school and uh, as their lives uh, develop, one of them uh, gets uh, breast cancer while the other while one is dying, one is having a baby. So it's a tearjerker, but it's a pretty extraordinary film uh, in terms of the calibre of people who are involved. Uh, so it it's, turns out that there is more than Tony Collette that gives the film an Australian connection. So I'll let uh, Catherine speak for herself. Hello, Catherine. Hey. How are you? How are you doing? Good. Good. Now, I, I can't uh, not ask you this question. How does a, a, a woman who has been brought up on a farm by the uh, Rio Grande, had nothing to do with <laughs> films, gone off to university and learned about architecture, start making some of the most influential films about uh, adolescent angst uh, we've seen in a long time? <laughs> I don't know. That's a damn good question. Uh, I, I, like, I love it. You've really done your homework. Um, well, I think, you know, my first adolescent film, I guess, uh, 13, you know, that was a family friend, and I just saw what, what Nikki Reed was going through, and I was just, you know, compelled to work with her on that, to bring that project to life, and she and I co-wrote that story. We wrote it by acting out every scene together. So it was, you know, uh, I was just kind of almost forced I felt like I had to make that movie. And, uh, you know, I just felt what she was going through in such a visceral way. So as a filmmaker, I mean, you've had some pretty interesting uh, uh, challenges uh, from from very uh, uh, clear realism to... uh, 
the Twilight series saga, I'd have to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, that's uh, got a certain realism, but it's also got some magic realism in it, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, I'm sorry, my phone. Did you hear that little beeping? It oh, it's like okay. It's no, I get a beep. No, there's a beep here so that you know you're being oh, recorded. Oh, okay, okay, that's your beep, okay. Yeah, we're terribly ethical. Oh, okay, wow, great, I love it. Okay, so, I'm sorry, would you repeat the magic realism question? Well, well, the, yeah. uh, the, go, before we talk about uh, Miss You Already, um, going uh, the Twilight series, uh, you've gone from doing what are really quite uh, gritty, realistic stuff to a completely different format as a filmmaker. Twilight is almost magic realism, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yes, and um, but I did try to have. Uh, I just did the first Twilight, and I tried to be sure that that was. Um, I think it turned out to be relatively grounded. I tried to feel like you know Bella was really a real person. Really explore the relationship that she had with her uh, father and mother, and we actually, even when we were re- re- rehearsing with the actors, I had them literally act out scenes. You know that aren't in the movie, but scenes from their life and their relationship, you know, when they were 12 and her parents got divorced and did she hang out with her dad. So I tried to give a sense of of reality to the project so that you're in a real world and then suddenly these, you know, wonderful creatures (laughs) are part of it. So, yeah, I tried to balance both in some way. So uh, missing you, missing your, miss you already is very emotional and uh, centred on two women and their relationship with each other. How did you get attached to this movie? Oh, well, well I was at the London Film Festival with 13, obviously like 12 years ago or 13 years ago, I guess, <laughs> and I met the producer, Chris Simon, and he was trying to find the right director for Miss You Already, and I guess he said he was jogging or something in my he just my image just popped into his head. He thought, "Wow, I remember meeting her back in London at the festival, and maybe she'd be the right person for this." So he reached out across the pond to me, and you know, I read it and I was very moved by the script. And then we started kind of developing it and figuring out. And he's very persistent. Oh, he's Australian too, of course, uh, Chris <laughs> Simon. And he came and planted a mango tree in my yard so that I wouldn't uh, forget about him or the project. So whenever we were, and he charmed me with this mango tree. So whenever um, we were trying to solve a problem or get over an obstacle, I would say, why don't you go over there and mango tree that, Chris? You know, <laughs> <laughs> he was, he's pretty awesome. Yeah. How long did it uh, take to get the film up and running? Um, well, I think he and Morena Banks, the writer, had been working on the script, you know, developing it from her original idea because her idea was she had actually experienced something very similar with three very close friends that were all in their 30s. They're all like fun rock and roll chicks suddenly got some kind of cancer and they had to deal with it and their friends and circle of friends dealt with it. So, you know, they took that original idea, worked on it for probably a couple of years on the script and they got it to me and we ended up um, you know, bring it to life pretty short time after that. Um, I think we were shooting about nine months after I uh, got it, uh, which was really pretty fast for a movie usually. Yeah, it is. Um, so uh, there's a there's an interesting cultural mix here. So you've got uh, an, an Australian producer, an English writer, 
uh, you've got Tony Collette, who's Australian, you, uh, in with an uh, Eng- yeah, yeah, with an Engli- English uh, act- uh, accent, and you've got Drew Bar- Barrymore. So, and you being an American director, uh, does that make any difference uh, in that cultural mix for such an emotional story? Well, I think you know that story is very universal. You know, obviously, unfortunately, fifty percent of the world get cancer, and you know, fifty percent of the population. So, it, the story touches people, you know, all over the world. And I feel like you know there were little differences that I had to understand. I had done a lot of my research with the Mayo Clinic in the U.S. when I got to London. Of course, technical differences with the national health care system. And we had people from the National Healthcare System doctors on the set with us, but the emotions are so, you know, like universal, really. And I thought it was fantastic. I'm, you know, as you trained as an architect, I loved going to London, which just has the most vibrant, you know, mix of all the new architecture, very dynamic, and tried to find, you know, I thought it was just a, a gift to be able to film over there. Super fun, and then Drew's character. When Drew came aboard, you know, we made her kind of a transplant character too. Which, if you you know walk around in London, half the people are transplants from somewhere else. So it felt very organic, I think. But we tried to get the rest of the cast as you know real British actors as we could. You know, uh, Jacqueline Bisset, and and uh, she has a place in London for a zillion years, and and of course Dominic Cooper and Patty Considine. So that made it a lot of fun. You're on Showreel with Annie on 3CR, 855 on your AM dial. And uh, Showreel is usually focused on Australian film. But today we're having a chat with Catherine Hardwick, who is a pretty extraordinary American uh, director. Now, um, before we go on with the last part of our chat with Catherine, I have to tell you about something, a great opportunity. Last week, we actually spoke to a great Australian director, and that was Sue Brooks. Now, Sue Brooks' film, Looking for Grace, is on at the cinema, but there's a special screening of Looking for Grace this week, which will be immediately followed by a question and answer session with the writer-director Sue Brooks. Uh, She was on last week, as I said. You can catch up with my interview with her on podcast. This special screening is on at the Como Cinema in South Yarra tomorrow, Friday at 6.30pm. Normal ticket prices apply, including concessions. It's a great opportunity to see Looking for Grace and talk to the filmmaker. So catch up on an Australian film this week, Looking for Grace, tomorrow, Friday at 6.30 at Palace Como. It's a, it's a whiffed special screening that's women in film and television. Which reminds me, we should hear from our sister program on film on 3CR on screen. Tune in to On Screen and find out more about what's on the big and the small screen each Saturday, 11am till 12 noon on 3CR. It's a program on film, on filmmakers and on film festivals. It's called On Screen, Mm, but it's on the radio, 3CR. You're on 3CR with Annie on Showreel and we'll just finish up our conversation with uh, US director Catherine Hardwick. When you're actually filmmaking, what's the thing that drives you? 
as the director? What are you after? Oh, well, I'm so much trying to feel the emo- I think it's the, feel the emotions, tell the story in a in a dramatic, dynamic way that engages you, draws you in, makes you feel like you're there, you know, almost viscerally feeling this story and you know, some of the camera work was do, you know, on purpose. I'm actually in few cases holding a small camera and quite intimate with the actors like when you see Tony first finding out about her di- first diagnosis and she's in bed trying to tell it tell her husband Dominic Cooper about it you know I'm a- I actually grabbed the camera myself and just kind of talked the actors through ideas and we almost improvised some of that scene it became a very intimate scene you know that they were laughing and joking about it and you know, their emotions were kind of swinging all over the place. Oh, that's very interesting because, of course, as you said, this is a universal story and different people in that cast will have had personal experience. And everybody had one, you know, one or unfortunately more than one, you know, with a relative, family member. So each person brought that with them and then the research that we did you know, meeting other people that were going through the same thing, and many of those people came to the set and everything. So we we tried to gather up as much, you know, uh, emotional information as we could, emotional data as we could. So when you make a film, you've obviously got to uh, get as much uh, visual. Uh, You've already got the idea of what it is you need to capture in order to uh, create the... uh, uh, end product, but uh, how did uh, the editing process go? Oh, well, we edited here in the U.S., and um, it was actually, you know, very interesting just trying to, you know, once you've shot, you have your footage, then you're now taking music and sound design and, um, you know, songs, many original songs were written for this movie and finding ways that these songs can enhance the emotion that you had that you've created on set and uh, you know obviously we're usually always unfortunately uh, when we're making movies our first cuts usually come out a bit too long (laughs) and you have so many scenes that you just love that's got to be in how could we not have that scene in but you know then you want the pace so you're you're balancing pacing and feelings emotional feelings not having a repetitive beat some things that you thought, you know, would work great in the script, they they don't come alive as much. And then some things that you just improvised, or some they they're better, and you want to see more of that scene. So you're you know you're always, you know, you're it's a interesting judgments, and you screen it for people and see how other people respond to if they feel what you're feeling. So it's a great process. So how long uh, was the shooting comparison to the editing time? Uh, the shooting, I believe we had like 32 days to shoot, and then you end up at it, so that would be over a period of uh, like six weeks. And then uh, then in the editing room, you actually have like, 10, like 12, 13, or 14 weeks, around 12 to 14 weeks. So because you have all this footage that you've generated, we shot with two cameras. So, and we shot. Well, sometimes we'd run around with another little camera in London and shoot like, you know, just footage, you know, of the streets or the weather changing. So you end up with a lot of footage to figure out. Okay, how do I piece all this together in, in the most emotional way? So you need longer in editing. Plus, you've got to get the sound 
right? You've got to get all of you know all the details, the music, you know, songs, everything. Lots of you know, and if you have visual effects, which we did, for example, the scene where you see uh, Tony remove her bandages, um, we had to have a visual effect to make that look realistic that she was in you know post mastectomy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and also, uh, I was interested in the fact that the person who wrote the... It's based on a book, which then got made no, into... No, 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 it's not, not based on a book. Oh, right. Um, but based on personal experiences that oh, she had. Oh, right. Okay. Um, I just thought it was. So I was going to say, because the person who uh, wrote the screenplay, uh, how did um, uh, the script... How did that uh, relate to what was written in the in the script and the final result? And what was the relationship between you, the director, and that person writing? Oh, okay. Well, Morena Banks, she is a fabulous actress and comedian living in London, and she's just very creative, and she's worked on a lot of BBC productions. So she's, she's very versatile at working with directors, and she knows, um, you know, and I've worked with a lot of great writers too, so we know that you know you have to do some kind of give and take, and you know some things that that look perfect in the script, you know maybe they're not comfortable for the actor to say. So she's she's a very good improver herself when she's uh, an actor. So she's basically was um, open to, to Drew and Tony being so creative. Sometimes they did read her lines, say her lines, and then they would continue off of that with their own fun, you know, comedic improvs or things that just made it feel a little bit more natural and a little more real. They would extend the scenes, but mostly Morena's script is we're very true to her script and it's, you know, it was a beautiful, it was a great script and she's very funny. How, so. fab- how fabulous, I mean, what I discovered was that she's actually voices for Peppa Pig. <laughs> yes, isn't Which- that awesome? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's awesome too. Um, she wins so many friends by that, with that, like and like Drew Barrymore's little daughter just loved Peppa Pig. So, you know, the fact that her mom was working with her, you know, was she got a lot of points for that one. Yeah, exactly. Um, working with uh, such uh, fabulous actresses as uh, or actors as uh, Tony Collette and Drew Barrymore, like you say, uh, they obviously contributed the actual result. Yes. Um, because they are both extremely sensitive and very creative people themselves. I mean, um, you know, Tony writes songs. She's a singer. She's an actress. Uh, Drew is a director and a producer. So they're just, you know, like they're creative machines <laughs> themselves. And the fact they they hit it off so well that they actually became close friends and they've traveled together and vacationed together and everything since the movie. So they were able to have a real strong rapport, much like what you see in the film. That's why, you know, we I gave I asked them if they would if they felt like, you know, adding another line just I didn't stop them. Like if you you know, if you're if something if you're if you're moved to say something else, you know, try it, you know, try a little experiment once we've got the scene down. So they a lot of the lines that are pretty big laughs when we've seen it with audience some of the biggest laughs are things that they just came up with on the spot because they're both almost like stand-up comedians they're so funny <laughs> and that's the key to this film isn't it uh, uh miss you already it's not just uh pulls at your heart but it's actually funny isn't it well that's what i think is so great and we 
we met with a lot of people that were going through similar experiences to this, and we asked them, I mean, is it too jokey or is it too fun? And after they saw the movie, they go, are you kidding? When you're going through something like this, you need to laugh more than anything. That's the most important thing to do is 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 be able to laugh. And that was my experience with my dad, you know, when he was... Um, dealing with his cancer, that he would crack, you know, the most outrageous jokes and had us just rolling and, you know, rolling and laughing, which is, makes it all bearable, you know, made it wonderful. Now, I noticed that uh, you, uh, they make a note that uh, you uh, were interested in the National Women's History Museum in America. And, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, so, so is, does the fact that this is a chronicling of uh, female friendship important to you? Oh, yeah. I mean, I not only, you know, did a PSA for National Women's History Museum, and I've done, you know, many, I'm all about, done many, like, mentorship projects and, and done lots of um, workshops and things lately on uh, gender equality. So I think we're all excited about this subject that we would see more stories, more diverse stories told out there you know, where we see women's stories and stories of people of color and not just everything from the point of view of the pale male, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so we're, <laughs> we're trying to expand the stories. And I love it that, you know, we have uh, more reporters and critics and people we need to, you know, change that equation too because like Meryl Streep pointed out, even on Rotten Tomatoes, it's 760 men are cr- critiquing films and only 160 women. So that's, you know, it's not equitable right now. And we just want more chances for more interesting stories. Yeah, and uh, just, just different ways of seeing things. Uh, that's I do cr- uh, film criticism, and I find it amazing, the diversity in opinion or, around uh, a similar film, you know, a same film. We've just had a film... Exactly. Yeah, we've just had a film here called... Uh, the Dressmaker, which didn't do too well internationally, but in Australia it's already taken $20 million and it's really from a female gaze. It's quite hysterical uh, that one of the reviewers said that uh, they didn't like the fact that the male character was so (laughs) two-dimensional. I thought that was hysterical. Get used to it. I mean, (laughs) we've been living with that for a long time. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I thought too. It's hysterical. So, yeah, it's fantastic. More strength to your arm. Yeah, I love it, yeah. Uh, is there anything else you'd cool. like to, to say at all? Because I've asked all my questions. Oh, well, I'm just... Oh, no, I think you did great. You, 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 great questions. I loved it, so thank, thank you. you. Thank you very much for your time. You too. <laughs> and uh, great success. <laughs> thank you, Annie. Oh, okay. um, thank if you. you just want to spend another moment with Catherine, I'll call the next interviewer in. You are just on time, so I'll be back in a moment, Catherine. Thank you. Okay. Is that hysterical, this uh, whole managed uh, arrangement of interviewing? Um, yeah, it is kind of weird. Uh, yeah, we do have a fun soundtrack, I'd say. That would be another thing if we were yeah. going to cover anything, because like Joan, Joan Jett wrote a song for it, and uh, Diane Warren, who's a eight-time Oscar nominee, eighth time this year. She wrote two songs for the movie. And, um, you know, we just had... And then uh, Tony Collette's husband wrote a song. She sings her own song in the movie in her own sex scene. And then um, another band, All-American Rejects, 
the lead singer is in the movie. He's the sexy uh, affair she has, and he wrote a song, and he sings it in his sex scene. He sings a song. So there's all these cool, like, little musical stories, and Moby gave us a song, and, of course, R.E.M., so you know, I really kind of love the soundtrack that it inspired a lot of musicians, too. Hi, Annie. Thank so you so right. much for holding the fort. I have the next interview. Uh, thank you very much today. Well, that's another showreel in the can. You'll hear from me next week. Have a good week. Don't forget the uh, special screening of Looking for Grace, which is going to be on at the Como Cinema. It's a lovely cinema. It's uh, really worth going down there just to use the amenity of the Como Cinema in South Yarrow. It's so nice. Tomorrow, Friday at 6.30pm, normal ticket prices apply, including concessions. It's a great opportunity to see Looking for Grace and talk to the filmmaker, Sue Brooks, who will be there. So catch an Australian film this week, Looking for Grace, Friday at 6.30 at Palace Como. Uh, It's um, a whiffed, a whiffed. Uh, per, uh, special uh, session it, that's women in film and television You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia For more information go to allthews.3cr.org.au